are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. And now, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your here are your This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entrance sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 139. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. Hello, I'm Miles McLaughlin. And we are here, but not really here, are we, Miles? No, not really. No, no. <laughs> so, But we are so glad that you are joining us tonight because we have an icon, a very special interview, an iconic interview. Maybe not an iconic interview, but an interview from an icon that's been in the sci-fi world for a long time. Right. Uh, a writer, um, Mr. Peter David. Yes. Peter David, known in comic book worlds, mm-hmm. Star Trek worlds. He has his own fiction out there. Right. Uh, cr- when did cr- you first hear about Peter David? Um, probably reading Star Trek novels. Yeah. Oh, so yeah. You, mm-hmm. you read some of his Star Trek novels then? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, that, that's probably my, my first um, – First exposure to Peter David. Now, we had a chance to sit down with Peter David. Actually, let me clarify that. Miles, you had a chance to sit down with Peter David at Farpoint 2012, and we we had numerous opportunities. We were talking about this for a couple of cons, to actually, because we see him at all the cons. Right. He, he, he comes to a lot of the East Coast cons, uh, surely even and Farpoint, so... Um, if you ever want a chance to, to meet Mr. Peter David, you know, he'll definitely be there. But you had a chance to sit down with him. What was it like to sit down with Peter David? A little intimidating. I mean, he's a nice guy. Don't get me. He's a really nice guy, but you know, he, he, he's, he, he's, he's been in the business a long time and, um, he just, um, he just has a very, I don't know, kind of a powerful personality. And so, uh, right. is he, is he opinionated at all? No, not at all. <laughs> uh, no, well, no. If you, you know, that's that's one thing. He, he, he Mr. David, he, he is, he, he does have opinions. And do you hear him come out in the interview? Um, well, yeah, I asked him some questions about some, you know, his opinions on this, and so, you know, he, so he he was uh, very forthright, um, very forthright. But it was a good interview. Talked about his career, um, you know, how he got started. And and, you did that about five minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, just but. Uh, you know, and uh, you know, what he's doing now. Also, what's going on in, in the world of, of writing? Because you know, as far as and publishing, that that has changed a lot. With that the, is a changing world. And so, some you know, Peter David and some of his fellow writers have uh, you know joined together to in, to form their own publishing company. And how how they are you know navigating the challenges of of it, and, and still you know managing to sell books, and you know just still you know still stay. St- you know, keep on writing and, and, and selling your work. He's a part of that crazy press endeavor, right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, all right. Well, we hope you enjoy our interview with Peter David. We won't be doing anything after the interview, so it'll be a wrap up after that. And we will see you on our next show, July 5th. Okay.
ladies and gentlemen, if you've been listening to our podcast for any length of time, then you know I'm a huge fan of the Star Trek novels and delighted to finally be talking with uh, one of those authors whom I've had the pleasure of reading uh, his books. He's penned. But I'm talking with prolific and award-winning sci-fi fantasy comic book TV and movie writer Mr. Peter David. Mr. David, welcome and thank you for taking time to talk with us on the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Glad to be here. Thank you so much. Um, for, I want to say I enjoyed your your rendition of Zoot Suit Riot. However, I noticed the lyrics were changed a little. Yep. Would it be safe to say that that's your tribute to the Red Shirts from Star Trek? Well, yeah. Actually, that song had its origins at uh, Shore Leave mm-hmm. as part of the opening sketch for Mystery Trekkie Theater, mm-hmm. uh, a thing that uh, is done by myself, uh, Bob Greenberger, and Mike Friedman, in which, just as they did in Mystery Science Theater, we screen an episode, in this case, of Star Trek, and we sit there and we make fun of it. And this was uh, part of our opening sketch. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was pretty much our entire opening sketch. When we did it at Shore Leave, we had um, we had a whole group of dancers, and, and Mike and Bob uh, were feigning uh, playing the trumpet badly, um, which is really hard to do. But <laughs> that was really entertaining. Um, I, th- I, hear, I hear Katie Greenberger was off stage, just kind of banging her head against the wall, just watching you and Bob be completely out of sync. It was really amazing. But yeah, and uh, yeah, it was a tribute to the red shirts, the uh, the poor schmucks who always are thrust into the uh, situation, right. the dangerous situation, and don't come back, which I thought was really the best tribute to that was in Galaxy Quest mm-hmm. with with Guy, aptly named, because right. you're right, he's the guy who gets killed. The nameless you know? guy, yeah. <laughs> right, some nameless guy, yeah, well, and his name is Guy, and he right. spends the whole time being convinced that he's going to die, which... And, and wonderfully enough, in the final firefight, notice that he's the only one of the cast members who does not, in fact, get hit. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah. At any rate, that's what that was. Yeah. So, uh, well, I enjoyed. It. I know that, you know everybody here enjoyed it. Oh, good. So, as a writer, it's safe to assume you write with, with things you personally enjoy. What was it in comics and sci-fi that that's, that you started liking, and what did you enjoy now? Oh well, I mean, basically. Um, the, the you know I, I started enjoying it when I was a kid. I mean, um, comic. My interest in comic books was really spurred by um, the stuff that um, that uh, was, was really spurred by the Superman television show, four thirty, Channel Eleven every day. And, you know, when I'm talking about the Superman TV show, I'm talking about the, the old black and white, mm-hmm. eventually color, that starred George Reeves. And if you'll remember, at the end of every episode, it always said, Superman is based upon the character appearing in Superman magazines. Okay. It's a direct link that really isn't done as much anymore. Right. I mean, when you see Spider-Man cartoon shows and that kind of thing, you don't have an announcer saying Spider-Man is based on the character appearing in Spider-Man comic books. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should, because... Certainly, in the case of Superman, that's what steered me to the comics. I had no idea the comic book existed, mm-hmm. except for that the guy on the ma- on the TV show told me so, which drove me to the comic books because this was not now where you can record stuff and have your DVDs or your DVR or whatever and play Superman at your leisure. The only time that I could watch experience Superman was four thirty, mm-hmm. but if I bought comic books, I could take those out and read those whenever I wanted to. Mm-hmm. So that's what steered me to comic books, and my my um, my taste broadened from there. In terms of science fiction, I'm not really sure. I can't really remember what what angled me in that direction early on. Other than that, I mean, you know, I like Star Trek, but you know, I also like a lot of the classics: H.G. Uh, Wells, Jules Verne. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Edgar Rice Burroughs. I mean, I'm ecstatic that John Carter of Mars is finally, you know, being made. I mean, that's something that I've wanted to see for literally decades. Right. Plus, now it means that I can, you know, and the timing of it is perfect because certainly there will be Deja Forest action figures, and I can get those now, not to have to ask my parents to get them for me. Right. So, you know, score. score. Um, what do I enjoy now? My, my tastes really haven't changed all that much. I like uh, solid fantasy. I haven't been reading as much science fiction lately because I go in swings. Late, lately, I've been actually doing more detective novels. Oh. I was devastated when, uh, when Robert Parker died because that means no more Spencer novels, at least not from him. Mm-hmm. I know that they've hired somebody to continue. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... Um, uh, what was uh, the Spencer novels and Max Allen Collins's work? Um, the the uh, Nate Heller books have been a lot of fun. Um, lately, I've also been doing a lot of kids fantasy because I've been reading books to my daughter. Nice. So um, I've been reading her everything from the How to Train Your Dragon books mm-hmm. to Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm probably going to start reading the Hunger Games because I hear you know a good deal about that. Right. Right. Um, Plus, I still enjoy the work of you know some of the greats like Harlan Ellison. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know that's that's what I'm you know pretty busy. That and of course the, the stellar work of uh, Michael Jan Friedman, absolutely, um, uh, Aaron Rosenberg, uh, Bob Greenberger. These are names that I'm just of course you understand pulling you know just off the top of my head. Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what got you into, into, into writing fiction? Um, well, I mean, I I knew I wanted to write. Mm-hmm. And I originally was figured that I was going to be a journalist, a reporter. But I found that I was worried that it would kind of like destroy my soul. Um, and I, I, but I still wanted to write, and I knew that I didn't want to get into commercial. You know, I didn't want to. You know, the concept of being able to have my desire to write satisfied by being a copywriter or PR flack or something like that just wasn't going to get it done. So I turned to fiction almost by process of elimination, Mm -hmm. that I wanted to write. I felt the need within me, but I didn't want to go in the direction that I was originally studying to go for. And fiction just called to me. Interesting. Star Trek is what I know you for best. As a writer who has written for most of the incarnation of Star Trek, do you have one you particularly uh, like the most? Well, obviously, I guess it would be The New Frontier, mm-hmm. the uh, series that I co-created with uh, Mike Friedman and... Not with Mike Friedman, with John Ordover. Mm-hmm. Um, that Ordover was really the one who initially came up with the idea of New Frontier, mm-hmm. and he approached me about developing it with him, building the characters... You know, and expanding upon the situation. So they should be uh, flat to the page. I'm sorry? They should be flat to the page. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. Is this the page you want to sign? Please. Okay. Did you want any of these uh, personalized? You know, there's a lot. You can or can't. There's not that many. There's no one behind okay. you, so what the hell? And you're a lifetime member, so, you know, that deserves some respect. <laughs> okay. Podcast. Okay, so as I sign these books to Harvey, just just to let your your listeners know, there are these occasional digressions because we are sitting in the lobby yes. at a Farpoint Convention in Maryland. And I guess my, my question, of course, is why the hell aren't you guys here? Why are you just listening? See all the fun you miss? Absolutely. You're missing me signing books to Harvey. Get some more next year. Yep, okay, go ahead. So we were saying... So so the New Frontier... The oh, right. The series so, you helped create. Yes. So I would basically say that on that basis alone, <coughs> I would have to um, 
give the nod to New Frontier. I mean, all all of them are entertaining in their way. Well, not all of them, but um, I mean, Star Trek original is what I grew up with, mm-hmm. you know. So I have a tremendous fondness for that. Next Generation certainly has a great deal of entertainment value. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, you know, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, the only one I never really, actually, I never, I never did. Um, uh, Enterprise mm-hmm. never did Archer, um, which is a shame because that would have been actually been kind of fun to do. I, I, although I thought that they had some intrinsic problems with the ongoing series that they only kind of started to solve during the last season, but I guess it was too late. Yeah, season four seemed to be yeah their attempt for damage control. Yeah, well, too late. Yeah. Will right. we see any more books in the new Frontier series? I absolutely have no freaking idea. Okay. I've been asking that question of pocketbooks for two years mm-hmm. and have yet to get a straight answer. If you could just sign all the comments. Oh, just sign the rest of these? Okay. Dear eBay member. Okay. No, because there's five or six other people. Ah, okay. Okay. You know, I love this cover. I should do a whole story just based on that. Okay. Something to cover of the Sir Apropos of yeah, Nothing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the fifth issue of Sir Apropos of Nothing, the alternate cover, has our 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 hero, and I use the term loosely, lying in bed, looking utterly satisfied, with a blindfold on. <laughs> and the reason the blindfold on is because he's in bed with a Medusa, who also looks very satisfied. And interestingly, only the snakes look unsatisfied. So you know. That's a, but, that's a good cover. <laughs> yeah, I definitely have to do a whole story based on this cover. Was it your idea to use like some of the secondary characters from uh, Next Generation for? Uh, no, that was uh, that was word over. Okay, um, that was part of the um, the arrangement when he put the deal together with um, with Paramount. The notion that if we use some existing characters, that would serve as a lure mm-hmm. to people who might not want to commit to uh, New Frontier otherwise, because it's just an entire array of, of brand new characters. They felt like having characters like Shelby there for the uh, longtime fans would help be an enticement. You know, kind of like point of view characters, since they've already seen them on the air. Um. Oh. Okay. All the drama that's going on here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, I hope you'll forgive the ubiquitous question about the new J.J. Abrams Star Trek, but did you like the new Star Trek uh, movie? What, what what was that word you used? Am, ambiguous? Uh, ubiquitous. Yeah. Uh, ubiquitous. Yes. Okay. I don't think I don't think that word means what you think it means. Okay. But, okay. I'd be interested to know what you thought the word meant. Maybe the, the obligatory. Uh, obligatory. Yes. There you go. No, u- ubiquitous means that it has a great, it has a very many uses. Okay. Like you know, like the, a pen, it's ubiquitous. You can use it to write. You can use it to prop stuff up. You know, it just it just sounded good. I, 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 no, no, no. It's I, it's. I, tell I, you what, ask the question again, then you can edit that out. That's a great idea. Okay. I hope you'll forgive the the obligatory question about the, the new J.J. Abrams movie. But as you use a Star Trek author, did you like the movie? Yeah. 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 I I I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I know a lot of people were having nuclear meltdowns about it, mm-hmm. but you know. <laughs> It, it, you know, to my mind, it was, you know, him trying to reinterpret original Trek for a modern audience, which I didn't have any problem with. Right. I love the fact that he essentially, and yet he was also able to do it in such a way that it more or less left original Star Trek canonical. Right. He made 
deliberate movements that automatically set this into an alternate universe. Sure. It had to be. Yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that because God knows we've already established in Star Trek, it's part of canon, that there are alternate universe characters. I mean, you know, you really don't have to go much further than Mirror Mirror. Absolutely. If you're taking from the beginning. Mm -hmm. Not only that, but there was a lot in there that people complained about. Mm -hmm. But if you go back and re-watch the early episodes with a fresh eye, if you're able to do that, mm -hmm. if you can really cleanse everything you know about Star Trek and just watch the first season, you'll see that a lot of the groundwork that was was laid, you know, by, you know, that... that Abrams took advantage of was laid in those early episodes. I mean, there were, you know, there were a lot of people who were going bug nuts because Spock was involved with Uhura. Right. Yeah, I would contend, go back and watch some of those episodes. Sure. Because there was definitely something going on between those two. Um, if you remember, there was, uh, there was a very early episode, I, was, I think it was Charlie X, in which Spock is sitting there playing the Vulcan Liar. Mm -hmm. Uhura is all over him. And what's Spock doing? He's smiling. He is freaking smiling as Uhura is singing this song about Mr. Spock and how hot he is and how much women adore him. And Spock is sitting there going, oh yeah, oh yeah. And Uhura is like, she's got her hands all over him. This is in the TV series. Sure. The notion that they didn't follow up on what was the clear chemistry between either Spock and Uhura or Leonard and Nichelle, depending however you want to play it, is simply more sign of the times, I would think, than anything else. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, this was a period of time where Kirk kissed Uhura and people went, you know, bug nuts, uh, you know, in, in the Deep South. I mean, um, although not all of them. Not all of them. I think it was George Wallace, of all people. Noted bigot. I mean, you know, I think it was George Wallace who says, any red-blooded man who has Lieutenant Uhura in his arms and doesn't kiss him, does something wrong there. <laughs> so even George Wallace is signing off. Okay, baby. Right. Um, which said a lot about George Wallace when you think about it. But anyway, um, so if you really are willing to look back at those original episodes with a clear mind and a fresh eye, pretty much everything that Abrams did is there. Sure. You know, and... and uh, I thought it was a lot of fun, and I thought that if you're going to compare it to original Trek in terms of performances, a lot of a lot of the actors I think caught the spirit of the characters. Mm -hmm. Carl Urban was amazing. It was like it was like watching a young DeForest Kelly. I mean, yeah. Urban of all of them, Urban nailed it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think that Zachary Kinto caught the spirit of the young Spock. I think Chris Pine caught the, the fervor of the young Kirk. Mm -hmm. But, oh my God, Carl Urban was Dr. McCoy as much as anyone who's not DeForest Kelly could possibly be. I would, so hats off to that guy. Go how for did it. You, how did you like uh, watching the uh, Big Bang Theory? Oh, you mean when I was actually there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, it was amazing. Four hours. Four hours to, to watch. The, for the 30-minute... For a 30-minute show, yeah. But, oh, it was a lot of fun. And what was really... Because I'd love to see... It. What was As fascinating, a, what was fascinating was the number of times that they filmed alternate lines. Like, they would do a particular line, and then they would film a different version or a different joke. 
when 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 Sheldon did that line about it would be like asking the Incredible Hulk to open a jar of pickles. Yeah, there were like three different other jokes. <laughs> All of them, it, it would be like. Right? And the thing is, I don't remember any of the others, which shows that they made the right choice. But I was sitting there and going, please use the Hulk line. Please use the Hulk line. <laughs> and, that's what I was. and there was one, there was one thing when, um, when, um, when Raj, when, 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 what's his name? When, um, Simon, uh, not Simon, uh, what's his name? Um, when, and, and Howard yeah. says he doesn't know what to do. And Raj turns to him and says again in a callback earlier in the scene, follow your heart <laughs> the audience was gone I mean the way that he did it the audience the audience was finished the laughter went on so long that they had to cut and reshoot it because there was too much laughter <laughs> I mean it just it literally stopped the show we said follow your heart we were done we yeah. were done we, we, there was there was about 30 seconds of just because the way he said it and the timing was so sure. perfect sure. that he actually in the one that aired he actually did it in a slightly less funny manner. And I don't know how you manage that, but just something in his tone, right. something in it, he just... Didn't. He didn't quite pause quite as long. He did it in a deliberately less funny manner to control the audience laughter. Because we were still laughing so hard that from the first time that if he did it the same way, it would be it would have been all over again. Oh, yeah. So it was just amazing to watch. Oh, here you go. Thank you. I read the yeah. money. I'll throw you the book. <laughs> yeah, I, that was that. That is one show I, I could honestly say I would just love to. Oh, it was, get it a, was, if I ever got the chance to get to go see it. Oh, it was great. It was great. I, I, mean, can, I cannot recommend it highly. Oh, so you, you got to see the recording live. Yes. Oh, that's that. Oh, that'd be fun. You know, I mean, it's yeah, just, that's nothing. My date. I brought Susan Ellison. Harlan's wife. Uh-huh. Harlan babysat my nine-year-old. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I've got my nine-year-old being babysat by Harlan Ellison. I'm in the front row with Susan and both and both uh, Bill Prady and um, Chuck Lorre came over to us oh, wow. to say hi. <laughs> nice. Susan yeah. is convinced that it was because of me, but I'm going, no, it's because Harlan Ellison's wife was sitting next to me. You know? yeah. Let's not kid ourselves. That's cool. Yeah, but uh, so, so that was definitely fun. If you ever have the opportunity, oh, I would yeah. highly recommend it. Uh, I mean, I've watched it from, from the beginning. When they had the writer's strike, I was so yeah. worried. Yep. That they were going to cancel because I mean the show hadn't. What really is it, sweetie? Off the ground yet? How you doing, Andrew? I mean it was good. I mean, it was, it was a good space. Good time. Wait, come around here. The come writers here, strike. You know, they only did like a third of the season, and then. What's up, baby doll? So, that's a kind of a game filler. What was the thing you wanted to do? You don't get it. I think this is more side from Star Trek. Oh, I thought you were going to watch the Masquerade thing. Some books in your catalog. I think. Do you want to do the balloon? Well, everyone well, seems to be having a lot of fun. Why not? The so little girl's well, a ray gun. I, 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 maybe he can make show. you like a yeah, balloon I, I like Jaguar or something. Or a cheetah. Isn't there anything oh, yeah. that you think would be really cool balloon? Be he can make you a balloon uh, sword. He made that little oh, girl balloon yeah, ray gun. We're talking about Oh, did you? Okay. Oh, wow. Just hang out. Yeah, he would be. Oh, he'd be. I think he'd be hilarious. Okay. So let's get back to this. Yes. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ken. All right. Getting books electronically has been around for a while, but it's only been within the last five years it's really taken off. Yeah. How, how, how has that helped or, or maybe hurt authors like yourself? 
Well, ideally, it's going to help because uh, a year or so ago, Mike Friedman, who happened to be sitting right down there, um, came to myself and several other authors and said, look, this really looks to be the new direction that publishing is going. Publishers are becoming less and less essential. Um, we can now get our books directly to a wide audience through venues such as Amazon and Barnes & Noble. And um, why don't we start up our own group, our own collective? This is because, you know, we're not really a publishing group, but Crazy A Press, which is what we wound up calling ourselves, is really kind of a collective where we're pooling our social media resources so that instead of being, you know, a bunch of individual guys throwing our messages in little bottles out into the ocean and hoping that it gets noticed, are instead taking all of our messages and throwing it into one really, really big bottle that has a much better chance of being seen. Because there's a lot of material out there. Sure. And it helps for all of us to be covering each other's backs by getting word out. And, and that's really where the concept of Crazy 8 came from. Um, and it has been... You know, to a certain degree, it's a learning experience, and we're still, you know, we're still trying to get ahead on the learning curve in all of the ways that uh, the material can be gotten out there and explored. And it's uh, it's it's been fascinating to uh, to watch. I think I think ebooks and and self publishing gives a tremendous opportunity for for uh, writers to get out some of the works that might be considered. Um, Unsaleable by publishers, right? Because you know, for you know, for two reasons. Number one, publishers have to sell a lot of books in order to make it worth their time. Mm -hmm. And second, publishers aren't really looking so much for originality as they are for stuff that is just like other stuff that's sold. And uh, you know, and that can be problematic. I mean, it's really anything that comes out that is really unusual. Mm -hmm. It's almost a fluke that it actually managed to come out in the first place. Sure. And uh, ultimately, what it means is that we can control our own destinies, and I and I find that to be you know a really exciting prospect. So you're staying ahead of technology, or at least being a bit changing with the times, and yeah, you have greater freedom. Exactly, and it, it, exactly right. And we have the books accessible to the fans. It's on Amazon, which means that anybody who's got any kind of a computer who can download a Kindle app. Mm -hmm can get it, you know, plus if they have the Kindle, fine. Uh, same thing with Barnes & Noble. Anyone can get the Nook app for their various computers. Plus, for people who admittedly are kind of like me and traditionalists, we have trade paperbacks available. So you're, st so you're still sticking with... Um, so, so readers can have both. They can have the digital and they can still have, you know... They can have either or. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, for example, I have a hard a hardcover copy of Dances with Dragons. On the other hand, I also have a computer copy of it, mm -hmm. so that, you know, if I'm on a train or something, I, I love to read on trains, it's a great way to pass the time, but on a train, I can just read it off of an iPad, right? Um, or, you know, or off of a Nook or whatever, because that way I don't have to worry about dislocating my shoulder by dragging the damn hardcover Right, around. right, some of them are pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's um, What's, what's your latest book that you have out now and uh, what we have coming in the future? The latest book that I have out now is called Heights of the Depths. Mm -hmm. It is the second book in the uh, Hidden Earth Chronicles. Mm -hmm. it, I, the, the, the thing that, the funny thing is that the first book came out in 2007 
and people have been asking me consistently over the last bunch of years, when is book two coming out? I turned in book two to the publisher back in like 2009. It just never came out. Right. It never got around to editing it, never even got to the production system. Sure. I know. Um, they were busy doing other books, I guess, or whatever. And it reached the point where it lapsed past um, their their drop dead pub date. Okay. They had to have it out within eighteen months of after I turned the book in. Mm-hmm. Eighteen months came and went. Twenty four months came and went. The book reverted to me. Right. And that's what's out now. And I'm really really pleased about it. I think it came out great. Mm-hmm. J.K. Woodward did the cover, and it's it's absolutely gorgeous. J.K. was uh, my artist on Fallen Angel. And um, I'm really, you know, very, very pleased with the, you know, with the entire package. And the nice thing is, is that I'm able to make it available to, to uh, readers mm-hmm. at a very reasonable price for an ebook, mm-hmm. because publishers put out ebooks at twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine, almost comparable to hardcover. That's because they have to cover all their overhead. Which remains in place, whether it's a hardcover, whether it's hardcover or if it's an ebook. Out of that twelve ninety nine to fourteen ninety nine, you have to pay the editor, the copy editor, the line editor. You have to pay the publicists. You have to pay the marketing people. Everybody, you know, all the invisible below the line costs have to get compensated for, and you know, in that, we don't have that problem. We have the luxury of pricing the things we would we want to price them at. And what we feel will be of uh, the ability of the marketplace to handle. Mm-hmm. You know, everything costs so damn much. Sure. And if we can release books at price points of two ninety nine and four ninety nine, and afford to save business, then we'll do it. Now, it's, of course, it's up to the um, fans to determine whether or not we can afford to price books for that. Right. Um, since you since you started Crazy Eights. How, how has that gone for you as far as getting your books out? I mean, uh, has people been, have, you, have books been getting downloaded? And, oh, yeah. Which, I mean, yeah. Uh, Glenn Howman um, and Aaron Rosenberg are basically our production guys in addition to the other uh, other activities that they that they perform and their other things for Crazy Aid. And, yeah, they've been doing a terrific job. We've had, we had some snags on my first book, mm-hmm. which is called The Camelot Papers, because of some unfamiliarity with the format. Um, thing, weird glitches crept into the files. Um, cam- you know, um, we, we download, we, we, we uploaded or downloaded, I always get that confused, mm-hmm. onto the Nook system. Mm-hmm. And then I ran out to Barnes & Noble and checked what it looked like. And I found that there was a gap oh, wow. of about 60 pages Oh my. In it, that I mean, the whole book was there, but you got to like page two thirty, and all of a sudden there's sixty pages of blankness right. oh. before. Then all of a sudden the story returned. But the nice thing about it is that if you put out a hardcover book or a paperback book and you find a mistake in it, there's chuck all you can do about it. Right. I find I go to the nook. I find there's a mistake. We, we, we remove it, remove, we remove the file, we go back in, we find where the problem was, we fix it, it goes back up, and... Uh, as well as well. Exactly. Exactly so. That's great. Now, how, how can our listeners, the best way to keep up with uh, what you're writing, learn more about you, um, 
where, where can they go? Oh, well, let's see. There's a variety of places. I'm on Twitter, mm-hmm. for start. I'm on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I have my own website, which is peterdavid.net, mm-hmm. not peterdavid.com. Peter David is a poison A pin manufacturer. Oh, okay. Okay? If you want sports pins for the Mets, the Phillies, all your favorite teams, you go to PeterDavid.com. You want to find out what I'm up to, go to PeterDavid.net. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have all those 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 uh, social outlets where you can find uh, what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Also, you can go to the Crazy 8 site, www.crazy8press.com. Either the number or spelling it out will get you to us. Mm-hmm. So you can find out what's coming out from Crazy 8 Press both from me and also from my associates. I'm really easy Mm -hmm. to keep up with. Great. Mr. Davis, it's been a pleasure talking with you. I've enjoyed your writings in the past, and I'm sure I'm going to continue to in the future. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Take care.